You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Outlaws and the Gunslingers. Where we are... Uh, oh, wait. No, it's not the Wild it's West. It's not the Wild West. Where we are uh, continuing that trek into Prohibition. We've we've climbed... We went to the base of the mountain. We climbed up the side. We reached the summit. And now we are climbing our way down almost at the uh, bottom of the other side of the mountain here. All through the uh, public enemy era. I think... Uh, I think we've done all we could do no, with got, um, a Prohibition. I think we're going to do this one here, and then next week we'll have a, a closer transition show. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think we, as we've mentioned previously before on all these other episodes, there's there's tons of Prohibition guys out there. There's tons of Prohibition figures and whatever. Right. There's not long enough to do a right. our 45-minute hour episode. And on, we already did and one. We're not going to do smorgasbord. We tried it last week with the uh, women of prohibition and out. i mean it worked out too much information it was an hour and a half long and six different people that we covered and by the time we were on our last one probably nobody remembered the first one so it's just not worth right. it and then we're not i mean i mean maybe maybe we can start releasing like shorts outlaw and gunslingers shorts right. on some people with shorter Shorter uh, stories where it's only going to take us 10, 15 minutes to get their shit out of the way, you know. Good. But maybe we can. But this is probably going to be the last long form Prohibition one besides our uh, wrap up one with the repercussions and uh, everything that Prohibition did to the United States. The effects, the cause and effects over there. But this one ending with a pretty decent guy. Not a killer. Made some money, though. Makes money. William Vincent Dwyer, also known as Big Bill Dwyer, Big Bill. was an Irish-American bootlegger in New York during the 1920s. Ooh. He used his profits to purchase sports properties, including the New York Americans, Pittsburgh Pirates of the National Hockey League. I mean, this guy, he clear, clearly had money anyway, right? You would, well, obviously. Oh, yeah. And then the extra money he was getting for bootlegging, he was like, you know what? Maybe he knew that bootlegging wasn't less forever. Let's buy these. No, he used his profits, so which means he used right. his bootlegging money. Yeah. Right. right. Which which is back in what he already has, I would have to say, right? Well, as well as those two NHL teams, he also owned the Brooklyn Brooklyn Dodgers of the National Football League. Yes, there was so Brooklyn Dodgers. So he owned Dodgers. Uh, New York Americans and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And the Brooklyn Dodgers. Of the NHL. And then he bought the Brooklyn Dodgers. Well. They were, of the, they were in the NFL. Unfortunately for him, he was eventually brought down by the U.S. government through legal actions, leaving Dwyer penniless. At the end of his life in 1946, oh, no. all of that which we just described there, we will go through in detail from the beginning to the end, just like we always do. Oh. And uh, big, big Bill Dwyer. When did he get his money? Did he grow up in money? Hmm. Hmm. Big Bill big was Bill. born and raised uh, in Hell's Kitchen, 1983. Not the TV show. You guys, are don't you know, fucking moron? If you guys don't know what Hell's Kitchen is, then you shouldn't be listening to this show. Although he would avoid the temptations of quick money and the gangster lifestyle, Bill Dwyer was a hard-working man. He was. He's a hard-working man. 
Oh, is that something about Promised Land or something like that? I don't think that's a song that's ever existed in the history of songs. Yeah. Uh, all I can think of is, she's working nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, he finished school and then went to work for a, for a, uh, oh, he went to work for a little bit of time as an usher okay. before finding employment as a stevedore on the Chelsea Pia. What is what's a, a stevedore? What's a stevedore? It's like a, it's like a bellboy. A stevedore at a pier. Or so one it, can only think what a stevedore. What what do you think it is before? I don't know. I think a it's stevedore. Like, I think it's, it's, it's at a pier. So what do you think a stevedore? I think it's like a stalker or like a, a gopher guy at a pier. Yeah, a pier. So he's taking shit off boats or something. Shit, right? I think he's like a uh, or a fish guy a maybe. Stevedore at a pier. I don't know. Fucking look it up. So maybe he's like a hauler. Person employed or a contractor engaged a at dock a dock worker. to load yeah. and unload cargo from yeah, ships. He's unloading shit. He's a I'm just a young stevedore. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good for him. He was a stevedore at Chelsea Piers. Piers. Oh, fucking A. So, yeah, he's a dock worker, basically. Right. Um, uh, Big Bill would marry a girl from his block in Hell's Kitchen. Agnes Francis Cassidy. Agnes. What a what a total 18, he, 1800s name. I bet he called her Francis. Well, maybe. I don't and the, know. And the two moved into a small four-room house and began a room, a room together. <laughs> and then it began a family together. They began so a they family. bought a little, a little tiny four-room house. It's probably what? Bathroom, kitchen, like, bedroom, living like, room. Agnes, we're going to start a family together. This is your home. Right. I told you, Big Bill, you can call me Francis. Francis. Well, quit calling me Big Bill. And I'll call. <laughs> right. I don't call me Big Bill except for we're in bed. Right. <laughs> then you call me Huge Bill. Yeah. <laughs> well, just after that, a close friend from his childhood, George J. Shevlin, Ooh. who actually had originally got Big Bill the job on the docks and was also the owner of a string of saloons along the Chelsea Piers, nice. found himself struggling to hang on to his customers with the passing of the Volstead Act in 1919 Obviously. and the Prohibition Laws of 1920. Mm. But it soon became clear that a far more lucrative opportunity was opening up. Was Dozens opening? of warehouses owned by the government packed with confiscated alcohol. Uh-oh. Oh. A market in knocked-off alcohol began as soon as the Prohibition Laws came into effect. Okay. Dude, I didn't even consider that. Like, we've never had that in any of these episodes. All right. Government, usually you see the pictures of the... Of the people, the agents fucking hacking away at barrels and right. drum, dumping in the streets. But right. I didn't consider that there's literally warehouses full of it's government fucking uh, confiscated alcohol. Yeah, because you know half the government needed it. So, uh, Well, that's true, too. That's she- probably just whiskey, though. Right. Shevlin approached Dyer. Dwyer? Dwyer. Uh, Shevlin approached Dwyer, asking him if he wanted to be partners in his new venture. Mm. Well, Big Bill, he was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. <laughs> I'm going to go for that. Shevlin and uh, Big Bill pursued nonviolent ways in their attempts to get the liquor See, what, stored by the government. What a good guy. Non-violent. non-violent. Right. We've got to figure out how to get the... We're to talk about the government here. So it has to be <laughs> as, as non-violent as possible. Uh, so they're like, we'll figure this out. Preferring to other bribes and false permits to withdraw industrial alcohol. Oh. So they're getting false permits to get like... Right. He was like, here's how we're going to do it. We need so many cases of right. whatever to do whatever industrially. Okay. Right. Which was then sold to mm. other bootleggers okay. to make the liquor. As the business grew. Oh, industrial alcohol. Right. right. So it's not even booze. Well, it's manufactured. It's manufactured. Which right. sold to other bootleggers to make liquor. Right. So what, do they dull it down, I'm assuming? 
distilled ethyl alcohol, normally of high proof produced and sold for other than beverage purposes. Mm. It is usually distributed in the form of pure ethyl alcohol, completely denatured alcohol, especially denatured alcohol and proprietary solvent blends. Ooh, so it's a fucking solvent. Shit. Yeah, strong ass shit. So they're taking that and then giving it to the bootleggers. They're, they're using that yeah, and distilling right, it down right, into... It, right, right. Just the pure... Fucking, uh, so they're taking a block of cocaine essentially right, and cutting it and down with it down. baby powder, not baby powder, but B, B12 or whatever the fuck somewhat else. Somewhat safe. Right. Because <laughs> other than that, you're taking a bump and you're, okay. you're foaming at the mouth. That makes sense. Right. Anyway, as we said, that Shevlin and, and Big Bill, they were nonviolent. Right. False permits, bribes, withdrawal, industrial right. alcohol. Right. Uh, they sold the, what they got to uh, bootleggers so they can make the liquor. Okay. Well, as the business grew, they invested carefully. Carefully. Setting up a network of warehouses, okay. trucks, oh. and men. Of course, you got to have the men. <laughs> right, to guard the lots. Mm-hmm. Big Bill and Shevlin, uh, Shevlin quickly dominated bootlegging in Manhattan within a year. Damn, look at and this is what guys. year was this? This was in the 1920, 1920 right around that time. Yeah. I'll say. Well, with his reputation secured and his stature enhanced in the syndicate he'd created with George Shevlin, Big Bill Dwyer continued to develop and assume more control over his bootlegging operation and became recognized as its head of operations. Oh, no shit. Well, George Shevlin, for one reason or another, which we don't know, right. it's all speculation. Yep, he's not here to uh, answer. Right. Well, he dropped out of bootlegging, leaving Big Bill in control of expand of an expanding... Right. Leaving Big Bill in control of expanding a multi-million dollar operation. Right. So, however, right. however... However, with all that new power, Big Bill soon found himself running against the many other liquor smuggling operators in the city, struggling with them for territory, but he didn't alcohol, want and, and the profit. So his problem here is he's nonviolent, but yet he made it as far as he did. Mm, and this it, dude's in New York, so... Right. Does he take a turn? This dude's in New York, so guess who else is in New York? Right, everybody. Right. Well, most importantly, the mob. Right. Big Bill had organized a smuggling operation which ran from Europe directly to Manhattan. Okay. His influence became so great that he could build a web of law enforcement, police, which is law enforcement, (laughs) and Coast Guard officers on his payroll, ensuring Big Bill's shipments were delivered without interference. Okay. He also solidified his political connections to Tamani Hall. Solidified. Right. Uh, through James J. Hines. Hines himself would be indicted. Indicted! 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 <laughs> Look, it says indicted! Indicted, Jane! It's <laughs> oh, all right, James. <laughs> all right, same James got indicted. Wow. Look at these Jameses getting indicted. <laughs> well, I guess. I mean, he was was James a, getting he was indicted. He was a character. Who was James got, got indicted? Dick. No. Fine with Dick and Jane. Dick and Jane. Yeah, his character. I mean, his real name starts with the, his real name, James. Uh, Jim, right? <laughs> so he got indicted. All right. Well, anyway, James Hine got indicted. <laughs> indicted! <laughs> in 1938 for protecting the Dutch Schultz mob. Okay. Uh, Big Bill also made a lot of connections to gangsters mm-hmm. to help protect his business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's obviously money. You didn't need violence. You just need money. Future gangsters such as Lieutenant Vanny Higgins... Who would become the last Irish boss of Brooklyn? We will find out who Vanny Higgins is in about 15 episodes. Yeah, you could possibly be a uh, Outlaws and Gunslinger short. Right. Short shot. Right. What do we call it? Outlaws and Gunslingers. Nap. Let's get nap. A nap. Dude, we should start doing duels. Duels. 
fucking nant. We should, we should do a spinoff called Outlaws and Gunslinger Duels. And then we, who's better, Hickok or whatever, right. this person or whoever, fucking right. this right. gang or whatever. Right. We could. Well, 1923, Oni, Ooh. the killer, Madden, was released from a 10-year sentence in prison. Known for his violence in his younger days in Hell's Kitchen's Gopher Gang. Uh-oh. Prison had changed Madden into a mature man capable of violence, but also with a cool head and a calm demeanor. Hey. Well, Big Bill Dwyer, Big Bill saw that potential in Madden and paid the price for his services, making Madden a partner in the bootlegging operation. Now he's got some hardened criminal, right. just got out of prison, right? running his shit. Right. Um, look at him. Damn. Well, Madden established the Phoenix Cereal Beverage Company, <laughs> a brewery in the heart of the West Side. Filling an area with the scent of illegally produced beer... Madden's number one. That's the name of the beer. Oh, right. Madden's number one. Protected in Big Bill's web of political connections, they remained untouched and made more money. So these guys were right. the untouchables. Right. The real untouchables. Right. And they made more money than even they had thought possible. Mm. Coming to dominate the alcohol trade in New York. Okay. In fact. In fact. They would uh, form part of the Combine's Big Four. A group of four Irish bootleggers that also included... Danny Walsh. Danny Walsh. Came from Boston. Boston. And Joseph Kennedy. Hey. Also came from Boston. It's uh, fucking Danny from Boston. Right. Father of the future president of the United States of America. Joseph Kennedy is not. Joseph Kennedy. The Combine was a forerunner to the crime scene. Wait. I said it. Joseph Kennedy. That's not the name of the Papa Kennedy, is yeah. it? Oh, my. Yeah, my name is Joseph P. Kennedy. Joseph P. Kennedy's senior son. Joseph Kennedy the third. Wait a minute. Future Joseph wasn't the name of fucking um he was born in eighteen eighty eight, died in sixty nine. Was Joe father of fucking JFK? Mm, he was. Three of his sons. John hey, F, yeah. Robert, and fucking Ted. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know his mobster. name. I didn't think his name was Joe. Why did why did I think it was somebody else? Look at that guy. I didn't wonder why uh John F. Kennedy got murdered. Duh. Right. Irish bootlegger, so fucking old Joe Kennedy, uh, JFK's father, was an Irish bootlegger back in the day, huh? Well, there's right. something I'm sure a lot of you already known, uh-huh. but because I... the, yeah, these guys were the forerunner of the crime syndicate, mm-hmm. which was made up of the biggest Irish, Italian, and Jewish bootleggers at this very time in the New York area, which is the uh, commission right. of. Right. Because remember when we did the Luciano episode, right. he just he did the commission and included the Irish Italians right. and all those guys at right. the same time. But so then we're now it's just Italian. Still not talking about the big five yet. This is the big four. Well, these are just Irish. Right. A bootleggers, not even mobsters. These guys ain't mobsters. Well, it's a forerunner to the commission. Right, but it's not. A, you're not. You're not nobody with no power. Well, either or, their success drew the unwanted attention of the authorities, mm-hmm. which it always does. In 1924, the Coast Guard, along with the negotiation of a treaty to extend the maritime borders of the United States. Hey, didn't we have that in, uh, we did. what was his name? McCoy. Bill McCoy's yeah. episode where they McCoy. extended it to fucking get him. Right. Well, they all stepped up their efforts efforts against bootleggers against uh, along the American coast, which was three miles, and they did like 12 miles out or something right. like that. Right. Well, Dwyer began to invest in fleets of his own ships to handle the businesses of overseas and ship-to-shore transportation. Mm. The Coast Guard ships were especially the Coast Guard ships were especially equipped to halt the alcohol trade, so Big Bill turned to a friend who, in turn, purchased hundreds of airplane engines left over from the Great War and outfitted them on Dwyer's ships, nice. creating a fleet of ships faster. Damn. 
than any of the Coast Guard ships. Uh, they put airplane <laughs> ships on these damn right. little boats. I mean, they call them uh, ships, but they uh, airplane ship. They put airplane engines, engines, engines on these. They're not even that long, though. They're only no. like, what, 25, 30 feet? Right. So fucking. They're flying. Holy shit. So they're. This the is the speedboat. It's the first speedboat. I would say they're like they're like what um, the NASCAR guys did on land, but these guys are doing on. Unfortunately, they couldn't. Uh, right. They couldn't get no racing circuit to go right. to go along. What is what would it be called? The National Association of Stock Boat Racing. Right. So yep. NAS NASCAR 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 NAS no NAS Stock Boat Right. Maritime racing. Right. Welcome back to 15. Yeah, that one that wouldn't work out as good as NASCAR. Right. Well, however, in nineteen twenty-five, Big Bill was arrested uh for attempting to bribe members of the Coast Guard during an undercover operation. Don't you know better? Right. By the Prohibition Burial and was sentenced to two years. During his time in prison, the operation was turned over to Oni. Um, Oni Madden. Oni Madden, the old prisoner. And Frank Costello. Oh. Uh-oh. We'll find out about this guy. We will find out about this guy. Who will become head of the Genovese crime family See the, the, later in years. There's a the thing here, guys. I want to clarify something real quick now that we're on Frank Costello. We're head not of the, on Frank Costello. Well, but... we just mentioned him, head of the Genovese uh, crime family. There's plenty of crime mob guys that we could do for, for Prohibition, but we're saving that for our... right. Mobsters. Mafia, mob, right. like series or right. whatever you want to say. So there'll be right. a lot of. We're gonna go back in the twenties and thirties for the, our mob guys, but we're not on the mob. Right? I've chose. There's no reason to do these guys for prohibition. No, we already did Luciano and. No, that's a small part of the business. Right, bootlegging. Right, right. And so nothing. There's no reason. Mob's gonna be its own separate. These motherfuckers can continue to bootleg even after the shit was legal. Mob is <laughs> gonna be did. our own separate. Spinoff. It's guys. It's a spinoff, but it'll still be outlaws and gunslingers because mob's going to take a long time, guys. We're going to be legitimately doing the mob for a while, four or five months, probably its own arrow. So, rah, rah, rah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. The Genovese crime. Uh, uh, Frank Costello took yeah. over the Genovese. Uh, yeah, Frank Costello took over the Genovese crime family. Genovese. I don't care. After thirteen months, Big <laughs> Bill was released for good behavior, and once released, slowly, you know what, Bill began to withdraw from bootlegging. You know what, Bill, you've been pretty good these <laughs> last uh, thirteen months. So, uh, well, gonna have to, we're, I think we'll let you go. After he got out, he was like, you know what? Mm, what What am I gonna do now? Uh, I'm gonna slowly get out of bootlegging, but mm. I need to make some money while I'm doing it. Right. But I'm gonna get out, and he goes, "You see that business over there selling coffee and shit? I think I'm gonna do something like that." Oh no, you're not selling coffee. Yeah. You're not gonna do anything like that, Big Bill. He's you see like, that, he's see like, that guy over there selling baked uh, baked goods every day. I think I might do something like that. <laughs> like, no, you're not. He's no. like, you're right. You're right. You're what right. I will do is I will fucking uh, I'll buy horses. And, well, in a track. <laughs> that same year that Big Bill went to prison in 1925, Tex Ricard convinced him to purchase the Hamilton Tigers of the National Hockey League. Oh, he's going into that. And he renamed them the New York Americans. Okay. Well, Dwyer paid seventy five thousand to turn the Tigers into the New York Americans. Wow. Wow, that's a lot of money back then. Just to change the name. Well, with a fortune made in Prohibition bootleg and Dwyer handed out lucrative contracts, including a three-year deal to Billy Birch, rumored to be worth 25000 So this dude was, I want to know his net worth. They never said. He was probably millions back then, which is billions now. Of course. 
Well, Shorty Green also received a huge raise, his salary going from 3000 to $5,000. I mean, I guess that is huge. This was a time when most NHL players were said to make about fifteen or two hundred or 2000 uh, a season. So he owned the Americans when he went to prison, got out of prison, right. and now uh, he's like, I'm done with fucking bootlegging altogether. Guess what I'm doing? Sports, baby, sports. NHL, National Hockey League, baby. Mm-hmm. This is in what, the 20s, early 30s? This is now... Uh, Late 20s? About, well, you'll see. Port for Outlaws and Gunslingers on the Creative yeah. Control Network is brought to you by Manscaped, yeah. who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world! Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Ooh. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Ooh, I like you it. heard that right, the 4.0. Oh. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off, that's right, I said 20% off, and free worldwide shipping free. with the code OUTLAWS at Manscaped.com. That is code OUTLAWS at Manscaped.com. Well, imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. Ooh, well, I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. I really am. The uh, craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. Here's uh, a little uh, selling point for you guys. You guys ever tried to use, like, regular hair clippers with no guard and tried to shave your balls? I guarantee you're going to nick them because it happened to me. Don't ever try to shave your balls with a regular, like, hair clippers. Yeah, oh yeah, it was. Uh, trust me, blood on the floor, and the <laughs> wife ain't going to be happy. So this new 4.0 is going to save you uh, a little bit of uh, pain, and it's going to save your day. Well, Nobody wants Nick Balls. Well, you're just in luck there, because Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by mm. focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer... Features a cutting edge ceramic blade. <laughs> no pun intended, huh? <laughs> <laughs> ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. That's trademarked, by that the way. So trademark. don't you feel like, don't you go over there and try to steal it, people. Right. I now, me, myself, I feel confident shaving my balls. Me too, because this upgraded trimmer includes a multi function on off switch that can engage a travel lock. Ooh. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000. KLED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Damn. It's got a it's got a flashlight so you can see your gooch or your taint or whatever <laughs> you guys call that place. <laughs> Ain't that crazy? Well, the lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim to additional guard lengths with sizes. Guess what? One through four. I recommend you guys don't do anything over one because <laughs> unless you're a Bushman, <laughs> I'm a Bushman. Maybe, maybe two, I bet, would be. Decent. Yeah, two, maybe. All right. Uh, did I mention wireless charging? We didn't, but we do now because the new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can which can help battery length last longer, so uh, oh, longer uh, shave times in between charges. Man, if you've been shaving with same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with the pubes in their mouth. Which leads to my point about using a regular hair shaver right. down you, there. You have two of them. I have two different shavers. Well, right I have one. and uh, Well, not right now. But uh, before I got Well, before I got the Manscaped 4.0, right. So, and speaking of no person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth, your your, uh, your significant other definitely don't <laughs> want to end up with pubes in their mouth because uh, that would be the last time she goes down there. Well, right. it's time to get your own ball in here, body trimmer with Manscaped, to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys smooth boy i'm some smooth boys mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code 
Outlaws at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code OUTLAWS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code OUTLAWS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. He got out. Oh, 1925, yeah, so mid-20s. spent 13 months. He got out in uh, 1926. So. Mid-20s, so hockey's starting just, his, it's actually a growing fucking sport. Yep. He took an active role in owning the team. Well, you see, it wasn't uh, right. the NHL, as you know it, since they have the New York Americans and right, fucking right. Uh, right. Pittsburgh Pirates. Right. He took an active role in owning the team, often trying to rig NHL games. Mm-hmm. For example, he put a goal judge in that would call a goal against an opponent merely if the puck touched the goal line. Oh, no. It happened one night in 1927 when Ottawa was at Madison Square Garden. However, however, the goal judge seemed more interested in taunting Ottawa goalkeeper Alex Connell. <laughs> Connell finally butt-ended the goal judge in the nose, so he head-butted him. Whatever right. butt-ended means. He might have took a stick, stick and just, right. boom, smashed it into Which the caused state. Big Bill's buddies to seek Connell's death that night. Damn. Okay. He deserved to get murdered. Come on. They're playing the game. He got a little heated. It took, it took a police detail to get Connell out of the gardens that night. And at the train station, someone inquired if a gentleman was Alex Connell. Connell lied and said he was not, knowing he was in danger. <laughs> he was like, I can never be me again. <laughs> well, at least not New York. Right. Or this fucking... Uh, that was his last game crazy, ever played in NHL. Crazy some bitches. <laughs> that was the last game ever played in NHL. I bet. I bet. <laughs> He went into hiding. It's not, though. The Americans flourished, and Dwyer secretly secretly purchased the Pittsburgh Pirates of the uh, NHL using ex-boxer Benny Leonard as a frontman who appeared to be the team's owner. Nice. Well, that team folded in 1930 known as the Philadelphia Quakers, though, so they didn't last very long. Right. In 1930, Dwyer also purchased NFL's Dayton Triangles for $2,500, relocated them to Ebbets Field, and renamed them to the Brooklyn Dodgers. Nice. He bought the team with Jack Depler, a former player for the NH- NFL's Orange Tornadoes. I've never heard of that fucking team in my right. life. Well, by the end of the 1932 season, Dwyer had enough of professional football. He said, I'm done with this. All it's right. not doing anything for me. In the three years I've uh, owned these Dodgers, they cost me $30,000. I mean, $10,000 a year. That's a lot of money. And millions. Well, he sold the team uh, just after that to two former New York Giant players, Chris Cagle and John Sims Kelly, for $25,000. He only bought it for $2,500, so he made a fucking... Right. Well, he didn't make a killing because he spent 30000 Well, he still he lost $3,000 or 8000 bucks. Well, depending on what he made for right. ticket sales right. and concessions and all that, and that's not factored in. 1935. He probably didn't make out pretty handsome, I would, yeah, I would that's assume. That's probably an even deal. He tried, yeah. yeah. 1935. It was the 30s in NFL. You're fucking right. you're hit or miss back yeah, then. Man. Either you're Detroit Lions or you're nobody. <laughs> or, <laughs> or the Packers. 1935-1936, United States government won a big oh. lawsuit against Big Bill. Big Bill. That was even you know what? Your name's Big Bill. We've right. been a big lawsuit. Leaving him virtually penniless. Virtually. Except for his ownership of the Americans. Mm. And he was losing money here. Just before the 1936-37 season, the NHL took control of the Americans. Oh, shit. Claiming that the financial status of the team was critical. Big boo. Well, yeah, they wanted that you, They wanted that New York market. Like, we, you right. guys are playing in the Madison Square Garden, right. the New York market. You guys are fucking, fucking up this team, pretty much. Right. We want them to make a profit. We're right. going to have to take control. Right. We're going to have to take control, guys. Big Bill filed a lawsuit against the NHL, mm. but the NHL settled by letting him own the Americans in 1936-37 to give him time to pay his debts. Okay, so at least they did the right thing. 
Red Dutton, Red Dutton, who was the manager and coach of the team, lent Bill twenty thousand dollars for the team, <laughs> and Big so, Bill promptly lost it all. Oh in no, game. Big Bill! He went and played craps on that shit. He goes, "I can double this shit right the now." The fact that he had his coach, right, that had enough money to lend him twenty thousand dollars. He's the owner, and the coach of the fucking team's lending him twenty thousand right. dollars. Well, the coach then he goes and loses it all right. in a craps well, game. Well, the coach. The coach went and let the NHL know what was happening. So, yeah. at the end of the season, when uh, Big Bill was like, I don't got your money, NHL was like, well, we got your team. Right. And he was like, oh. NHL was like, hey, we hereby uh, <laughs> we, declare right. the New York Americans ours. The, the NHL Americans, <laughs> right, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> Get the fuck out. No. Pack your bags, bitch. Well, fortunately, well, not, uh, not fortunately for Bill at the end of his life, but uh, also during this time when he was – controlling all these teams he also bought uh, a couple racing tracks horse racing tracks in 1929 dwyer acquired the coney island racetrack in cincinnati ohio nice he allowed operations through bootlegging partner arthur dutch schultz fliggenheimer in 1934 and 1935 dwyer cut a deal with ed strong of cleveland for peter horback to purchase the racetrack racetrack which was in receivership on july 20th 1936 for a $5,000 down payment oh shit well, on September 1st, 1936, the deal was finalized and paid in full in the amount of 95 G's. Wow. The same day the track was sold by Peter Horbick. The same day, Peter Horbick sold the track to River Downs, Inc. of Cleveland, Ohio. Mm. So he literally purchased it and sold it back for probably more than $95,000, I right, assume. Right. In 1931, Bill Dwyer became a founding partner in the Tropical Park Racetrack in Coral Gables, Florida as well. Mm. And as we already know, uh, since he... Lost that court case to the United States. He had nothing. Nothing. Poor guy. Nothing. What a what a poor guy. Right. Mm. Well, by the end of Prohibition and end of Big Bill's life, he retired from bootlegging and lived with his wife and five children. Bell Harbor, Queens. 1946. Passed away at age 63. Heart attack. Hmm. All seems to go down that way, man. <laughs> these guys is none of these guys have a successful ending, except I mean, for that one guy. What some of them do. Uh, Wyatt Earp's the only one, but he was a good guy, somewhat. Well, Bill McCoy <laughs> lived to like seventy something right. and died on a, a heart attack on his boat in the right. middle of the ocean, like he would have wanted. So right. there's a good story for him. I would say um, Gertrude Lithgow died at like what was it like eighty something of a heart attack or something. Okay. Too. So, so a lot of them do okay. live. Couple. When you're just bootleggers and you get, but a lot of them though, you notice the ones that live long are the bootleggers that yeah. get caught, go to prison, get out, and then stop bootlegging and mm. do some stupid shit for the rest of their life. Right, just, just live their right. life pretty much. Like, yeah. But most of them, yeah, most of them, they're dying. So look at this guy when they're like he grew 35. up. He grew up in like fucking the jungle, and it ran a successful bootlegging business without violence, supposedly without violence that he did i'm sure well, i don't know i'm sure he uh, fucking ordered that goalie couple... feared for his life after right. uh sticking the fucking ref in the nose right that's what i'm saying maybe they didn't do the violence themselves and they let other people decide if violence could be done <laughs> they had a guy for violence fucking <laughs> this is we're gonna have to take that up <laughs> with the violence committee <laughs> the violence okay. committee they're gonna have to we don't we don't deal with that i mean i can see something like that right do what you gotta do like a round table of people. Right. I'll All pay. in favor of violence, say aye. Don't. They're aye. not, they're not no. involved. They're not right. Aye. No. It's down to a 3-3 three, three vote. The, the one guy <laughs> decides it all. It's the seventh right. guy. He's like, yeah. Sweating and shit. And he's like. 
Especially if the boss is like voted no. Right. Now well, he's the like, boss don't vote at all. Those guys wouldn't vote. Big Bill is like, I don't even want to be in this. Right. There's a committee for you guys to do this yourself. I don't even want to know. Right. I, I just want you to make sure that what I'm doing is still successful. You stop my threats. I don't know how you do it. I ain't asking. I'm going to pay you a salary for being a security. Or, right. You guys. Right. You don't fucking tell me anything you right. do. You just do it. Do it. To whatever you think needs to be done. And the means necessary. Right. right. For what's best for business. That will be a very popular term <laughs> throughout history. What's best for business, you do it, boys. Well, at least then, uh, yeah, I guess that applies to any business, Anything, right? What, right? Do what's best for business here, guys. It's not personal. <laughs> <laughs> one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest lines in any movie. That, it's not personal, man. There's three lines you never want to hear is, uh, hey, I like you, but, or it's just, it's not personal. It's just business. Or I'll take it from here. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it from here. That that usually applies to like, like a cop movie where they're taking off a case or something because they fucked up too many times in the movie. (laughs) They fucked up the case too many times. And then, no, man, no, I want to get this. No, we'll take it from here. And then they go rogue and fucking uh, solve the case by themselves. Right. You know? Right. Happens all the time. Get called any, in. Any cop movie. Right. Get called in. Give the, me your badge. Get called in the captain's office a few times, yeah. yeah. I told you, you need to stay out of this. Right, right. You better not be. In, that's like <laughs> fucking from uh, um, Beverly Hills Cop. Right. I, you're supposed to be on vacation, the fucking. You know that guy in Beverly Hills Cop. Speaking of the captain in Beverly Hills Cop from Detroit, <laughs> that's the real captain. Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. And he's a corrupt motherfucker, dude. Oh, um, sure. There's a documentary on Netflix about White Boy Rick. Oh, White yeah, Boy White Rick. Boy Rick, yeah. I've seen but the, it. like a, the documentary, not the movie. Oh, I've seen the movie. The documentary. Um, that, I might have seen the documentary. That too. same captain in Beverly Hills Cop is the le- legit same captain that fucking was dirty and did all that shit to White Boy Rick, dude. Like, mm-hmm. fucking, yeah. And, and he did all bunch of, like, he was a dirty ass fucking um, nice. um, guy. Nice. So, well, the movie got to him and made him well, no, at the same time. No, that was before the movie. Right, it would be for the movie. That's true. Yeah. See, Dan Hollywood. So there's knew a this. fun fact. For and Hollywood knew this, and they still allowed it. Of course, he's oh, like, yeah. this is the type of gritty, right. <laughs> slimy guy we like to hire. Hollywood's like, this, Hollywood's like, this is exactly what we need. Trust <laughs> me, once you sign this sign, sign this paper, you're fucking under our care. And that guy's like, well, who's the producer? Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, right. <laughs> Weinstein. He's like, he's, oh. like, he's like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> no, he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> if that guy is your producer, I'm good. Well, they if you can keep that guy safe, I'm good. Right. He's like, I'm, we're all fucking good. <laughs> right. If, if this guy is still not in jail, I'm going to sign that oh, paper. It was, a, it was the 70s, 80s here. And it's still the same shit. Well, speaking of Weinstein, Weinstein, Quentin Tarantino on Joe Rogan's podcast said pretty much everybody in Hollywood knew what he was doing. Obviously they did. Was he, like Quentin Tarantino claimed, I didn't know about any rape or mm, anything, but no we knew that he liked to... Uh, be friendly with the females right. and all that stuff. And I'm telling you, all that Isaac Cappy shit is all real. All those names Isaac Cappy fucking named were real. Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg, you're all fucking pedophiles. Seth Green, fucking everybody. Yeah. Everybody. They're fucking nasty people. Sick. Disgusting. People wonder why Chrissy Teigen, John Legend, Chrissy Teigen anymore. I mean, there's an interview with them talking about Doing a, uh, a fucking foursome with Barack Obama. It was before he was in the White House, though. 
John Legend, John Legend, like John Legend, damn near slapped a <laughs> fucking piss out of her right there in the fucking interview, dude. It looked like it was gonna he die. Was so fucking pissed. He oh, walked away like, like she's like, dumb, I'm in trouble. You, you dumb bitch. <laughs> you fucking dumb yeah, because Brock was already sending him fucking messages. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and Brock's untouchable. Right. Yeah. John Legend and Chris Teigen aren't though. Well. well Chris Clearly Teague. they are. John Legend is, but Chris Teigen's not. They, Clearly they'll, they'll clear out. They'll kill all Chris Teigen. Clearly she won't write them. Yeah, they'll kill her. She, right. John Legend's like, look, motherfucker, right. I ain't said nothing, Brock. Right. It's all shit. my stupid ass wife. Right. And he's like, you're right. Did you see that video of? I know we're getting way off topic. I lost <laughs> the Gunslingers episode here, but did you see that um, video? It's John Legend and like Julia Roberts and Jennifer Aniston and I don't know what it was for, but it was like not. a thing. It was like a Zoom call, like six, eight different celebrities. John Legend's there, and then Chrissy Teigen comes uh, into the camera view, and she's got literally like a nightie on, like a fucking like lingerie and shit on. And then uh, Julia Roberts is like, is is that what you wear around the house? And Fucking just like her and Jennifer Aniston just start like roasting fucking Chrissy Teigen. Really? Like pretty much calling her a fucking, not saying it, but the way they were, they're, ah, is that what you really wear? Right. And then uh, Julia Roberts is like, Jennifer, have you ever wore like something like that around the house? And like, no, I was like basically calling her a slut, but fucking, right. yeah, dude, it was fucking hilarious. And like, then John, no. you can see John Legend was like, just. He's like and, and, mouthing, Illuminati, kill this bitch now. <laughs> like he's so fucking embarrassed by this chick. Like she's like she yeah she she took the power that we got way to her head and she's yeah. just fucking nuts. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah, I mean some of you get a lot of them are like that. Look at them, they're everywhere. They get outlandish, outlandish, and they think they're fucking above it all. But I guarantee you, Chrissy Teigen fucked the shit out of LL Cool J every fucking night on fucking uh, limp sync battle. <laughs> I guarantee it. Well, that's going to end it for uh, this episode of... And John Legend probably knows. Outlaws and Gunslingers, all about Bill. Big Bill uh, Dwyer. Oh, big fucking Bill. In uh, uh, fucking Tegan's Dwyer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he put his big Bill in Tegan's Dwyer. <laughs> oh, no. This is just went downhill. Really. Yeah, I told you we were at the end of the mountain. We just hit that fucking slope, and now we're right. we got we put together a few we got an avalanche, a few, a few listenable shows, guys. But it's going downhill. For yeah, me. we got an avalanche coming down to the end of Prohibition, which uh, this is our last full length episode of Prohibition, profiling yep. a single person. Next week we'll do we'll a run, uh, maybe a half hour long uh, transition. That we'll tell you what. Yeah, happened. we'll put them out probably different days. We'll give you the stats. We'll give you the stats of Prohibition. The cause and, and it might not even be just prohibition. It'd be of the twenties. We had the no, not even the twenties. We'll do. We could even do. Tell me what we're gonna do. What? Whatever era we what can era? do. Uh, little known Wild West guys. Fifteen minute fucking. We we'll go back that, to the Wild West. The, yeah. Wild Wild West. Oh, it's a spinoff. Wild West. It's released, not a spinoff. It'll be released on a different day. <sighs> What's the show called? I don't know. What did? What did? Didn't we just have a name for it earlier? Yeah, duels. But it wasn't anything like that. No, that was duels. Comparing the two. Oh, so we we got another one? How many fucking shows you think we're going to That's down the line. That's down the line. That's down the line. Um, outlaws <laughs> and, down the line. Outlaws and Gunslingers, a single shot. A shot of Outlaws and Gunslingers. Nah, sounds like a liquor. Right, obviously, yeah. Of course. Yeah, but we're not always going to do Prohibition. The Daily Fix. Well, it can't be daily. It's not daily. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's not even my fucking idea. Outlaws and Gunslinger Shorts. No. Yeah. Outlaws and Gunslinger Short Barrel Edition. No. <laughs> there we go. 
<laughs> Outlaws and Gunslingers. Outlaws and Gunslingers. We just call it Out and Gun. Because <laughs> it's short, you know. Get it? Shorter. Right. Outslingers. <laughs> Gun laws. <laughs> Either way, yeah. Well, we're, 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 yeah. I think there's going to be a little spinoff coming. Not. Don't expect it anytime not, soon. But not. but we're, we'll we'll go back and we'll do 10, 15 minute episodes of whatever we missed that couldn't fit into an hour long episode. Maybe. But uh, there'll be specials here and there. We but, call that. Either or, cause special. This is the last full time, uh, the last prohibition episode on a single person. Which next week we'll be looking at the the fallout of prohibition. The what do I want to say? The um, the effects of prohibition, how it affected the United States going forward, how much money was lost, how much money was spent, all the fucking missteps, and, and 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 if it did any good. Did it whatsoever? So Did we'll be exploring that next week. Well, we don't know. And then finally, we've been saying this for like literally two months, but finally, finally, the week after next week, two weeks from now, we'll finally open up our 1930s outlaws with the one and only uh, the the only way you can open it. You, you know, we always open up a new uh, right. a new region or Fucking a new hit segment. Them hit them big, hit them big. Fucking throat punch. The baby. one and only Bonnie and Clyde. So that'll be two weeks from now. And you guys can always email us if you think we missed something or you want us right. to cover a, a specific scared. person in any uh, range that we're in. Email us at bangdangpodcast at gmail.com and let us know until then. You guys type LOL on those YouTube videos. You right. can do the same thing here, motherfuckers. Right. Other than that, you can go they to- have a comment section, do they not? On the Spreaker and I Stitcher think, and all yeah, that? I think you have to have a Spreaker account. Well, all these. Yeah. Come on. What's another account? What's another password? <laughs> Anyways, you guys can go look us up, uh, our other show, on what's kind of like we just ripped on Chrissy Teigen and all these guys here. Kind of right. pretty much uh, like that, which you just heard last week, where right. we totally disrespected the women of Prohibition and went off we on did. 16 different uh, ways. But, uh, but yeah, great. the Bang and Dang show, wherever you get your podcast over there, we're talking about any crazy news stories, Anything, politics, whatever. recent politics, whatever we feel like, just sports. shooting on everything, sports, music, whatever. It's pretty much... Uh, a smorgasbord. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I was thinking of it. I, literally, that word was in my head, but I didn't want to say it. I'm, I, say from now I'm on. tired of fucking saying smorgasbord out of I'm fucking I'm saying everything. that word from now but, on about everything. Yeah, that's the Bang and Dang podcast. We'll be next week. But anyway, uh, let's tell these fans where Hell's Kitchen is at in case they didn't know. Hell's Kitchen is in New York. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> A lot of people were like, they never told us where Hell's Kitchen is at. And then they had to stop the podcast and go look. Everybody knows where House Kitchen is. <laughs> but do they? Yeah, there. They thought of the TV show with uh, right Gordon. Right. They thought they're. Why are they doing a show full of cooks? Right. Chefs. We'll be back next week for the <laughs> effects and the consequences hey. of prohibition. Was it good? This has been the Outlaws. Did and people guns. still get drunk? I bet they did. What was the effect? Well, more closet well, drinkers. Is that where the term closet drinker come from? We've. We've well, maybe <laughs> we've right. we've kind of seen the effects already since we did thirteen right. episodes at Prohibition, but right. we'll be back next week with Outlaws and Gunslingers. It's the Mouth of Michiganders with Bing Dang.